fun story. Isn't this a fun story? How many of you um, have ever heard this story in church? A lot of you have. That's awesome. That's really awesome. This is not actually a story that ever makes its way into the Revised Common Lectionary, the, the, the Common Lectionary before it. Um, the church, quite frankly, doesn't want to deal with it most of the time. Because how do the characters come off in the story? They come across as people that's like, I want my children to be like these biblical people of faith. Yeah, it really comes up. So we're going to kind of back through this. We're going to walk through this story. We're going to kind of look at what's going on. And unfortunately, you're not really going to need, you, you can't afford to let your mind wander today. Okay? This is not easy stuff. So remember what happened last week. Um, Esau came in from the field. And Jacob, who instead of going out and be a hunter, he hangs out in the tents. Um, and he had cooked this stew, some lentil stew, and Esau comes in and says, give me some of that red stuff. You know, lentils are red. And Jacob says, give me your birthright first. And what did Esau respond? How did he respond? Anybody remember? Of what value is a birthright if I'm starving to death? So you can have my birthright. Give me some of that red stuff, that lentil stew. So he's already given away his birthright, and he does that voluntarily. Is that the kind of person we want to be leader of this new movement, this new people, this new way of God blessing everybody? Is he the kind of guy you want? The light of the world. Pardon me? The light of the world. The light of the world. Esau is the light of the world. On the other hand, you got Jacob. He, you know, he says, you know, hey, you can have some food, but first you got to give me something of value. He's a little, I mean, he's a weasel. Jacob is a weasel. You just, I'm sorry, you just no way around it. So it's time Isaac, now you got to remember, Isaac was almost sacrificed. Well, yeah, because he was bound and his father standing above him with a knife early on in his life. And then the angel spares him and says, no, no, don't kill my son. Don't kill your son Isaac, but, but kill the ram. Because that was supposed to be the test. This does not do good things for people. This messes with your head. I'm sorry. There's just no therapist who says, if you want to raise a sane and happy child, threaten to kill them. That's just not advice you're going to get. So I would argue that, that Isaac really is not just at this point physically blind, but he really is spiritually blind. The promise has been clear all along that the blessing is to go through Jacob. This is a promise that the angel gives to Rebekah. The story really goes from Abraham through Rebekah to Jacob. This is what's supposed to happen. So Rebekah hears Isaac saying to Esau, kill some game, make the food that I like, so I have a happy tummy, and after I have a happy tummy, then I'll bless you. She hears this, she knows the blessing's important. So she goes to Jacob and says, your father's going to bless Esau, go kill two kids out in the pen, which is pretty, which a lot easier than killing game, right? Especially with bows and arrows and spears. 
And so he does. And what's he respond? How does he respond to his mother? Does he say, Mom, that's wrong. I can't do that to Dad. My dad has loved me my whole life. What does he say? I might get caught. And getting caught is bad, but what's worse? I might get cursed. She's right. She's not opening her mouth up for the rest of her life. She's got twice in, in, in one thing. It's like, I'm not worried that I'm deceiving my father, but he will catch me because he can hear my voice is not Esau's voice. And I do not feel like Esau feels. I'm a smooth guy, and Esau's a hairy guy. And not only will I not get blessed, but he could curse me. And, and i, I got to tell you, these blessings and these curses are real. Okay? These are real things. These are not just like, oh, bless you, my child. We do this all the time, and we don't think it means anything, and, and consequently probably doesn't. But it really does. Okay? He doesn't say, no, 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 that's wrong. I don't want to get caught. Then he goes up to his dad and he says, you know, the, the, you know, the smell is right because his mom has put him in the right clothes. And when she killed the kid, she put the, you know, the, the skin on the hand and on the, on the neck. And he says, you feel right, but the voice is wrong. Are you really my son Esau? And how does he respond? Of course I am. Now, don't you think this, yes, this is the man. This is the guy. We want to be the precursor to the light of the world. Now, I'm doing this because we gloss over all of this stuff. And I don't want you to gloss over because when Jacob gets blessed, and the funny thing is, is that uh, next week, Herb Chamberlain uh, is going to preach for me. Um, I'm gone for two weeks. Mary will be back the following week. And Herb said, uh, and I, I told him where I was in the series, and I said, this is what's coming next. He said, I'd really like not to be on the lectionary. I said, fine. So this is, he's actually picking for next week the blessing that comes at the end, um, which is okay. It's, all, it's, it, it's fine. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to do it again. Next week's story, I'm going to do it again in about a month. And I'll bet it will be very different than what Herb does. And that's really cool because then you can compare two different people's interpretation of what a text means. But when you get to the blessing, there's a reason Jacob gets blessed. And I don't want to give it away yet. But I do want to talk about how do we deal with these texts and what does it mean? What do people say about women in the Bible? Generally, women in the Bible, first of all, they're not mentioned all that often, right? Second-class citizen. Well, sometimes you're second-class, normally it's third. But we'll elevate you to second-class this time because the, the fathers and then the sons and then the women. So it's really third-class, but if you want to make yourself feel better and say you're second-class, that's fine. How do they get things done in the Bible? Deceitfully. Right? All these women are deceitful. 
And why would that depiction be the case? How much power do they have? Not much. If you want to get something done, you're going to have to do something. All you kids, you got lots of power. You do not need to be deceitful. Okay? And if you don't, then you need to talk about your power issues. I'm not saying you need to be deceitful. But what's clear here is that the blessing is supposed to go to Jacob. There is no ambiguity in the story. Rebecca does what she needs to do. This is very close to the ends justify the means. How many of you studied that in philosophy? And what do we think about the story, the ends justify the means? Ouch. Not so much. Yeah, not so much. The means need to be in line with the ends. But in this case, she needs to get Jacob blessed, and Jacob needs to be blessed. Now, I want to go back to the blessing. Why is it really important that the Lord God Almighty, who is going to bless, is the Lord God Almighty going to bless Jacob anyway? That's a question. Why is it important that they have to go through these shenanigans to get it done? What happens if Isaac gives the blessing to Esau? This is really, this is why you got to pay attention. Because this, is, this, is, this stuff should make you uncomfortable. If Isaac had blessed Esau, the blessing would have gone to what? Esau. What, the blessing, what happens, I did, I, you got 36 verses, so I mercifully cut it off there. But what immediately follows is um, Isaac says, I really don't have a blessing for you. I've already said that your brother will get the fatness of the land and that wine and goods will flow to him and his brothers will bow down to him. He says, so this is my blessing to you, my son. You will live from the fatness of the land. You will bow down to your brother. That's the blessing that Esau gets. And if you don't think that ticks off Esau something kind of awful, then you don't get that point. Why do we need to do blessings? Tell me. I'm going to, I don't get a pick on Phyllis very often. I'm doing it right now. Are you ready? Coming right at you. Why do you pray? If God already knows everything you need, and God knows what everybody else needs, and God wants to bless us, why do you... I'm, I'm, this is... I'll probably never get fired. I'll get fired after the service. Let me back away. Why do you pray? And let me open that up to anybody. Why do you pray? Those of you who pray. God wants us to. And does it make a difference? It proves we have faith. We may be able to convince God. i got to tell you, there are no right answers here. When there are no right answers, you want to shout them on out. We need help. It's comforting. 
Makes it feel like you're helping others. To get the strength and peace you need to be the best that we can be. Does God listen to our prayers? Does it make a difference? Yes. Does it make a difference? Yes. Always. Why does it make a difference? I have no idea. No earthly idea. It's above my pay grade. It'll be one of the questions that I ask. I probably, when I get there, won't need to ask the question. It'll probably be clear to me by that point. But here's what I know. It works. It flat out works when you pray, when you marshal your energies, and you say, God, help Sarah. I mean, there have been people who have been at the hospital, and we said, okay, Sarah, for surgery. She's in pre-op right now. She's very scared. We're going to take a moment to pray for Sarah right now because this is when and she and she come back she says you have no idea it was the weirdest thing to happen I was in pre-op I was scared all of a sudden I just had this peace come for me and I knew I was going to be okay did our prayers make her fine no but our prayers to God went where they were directed and they worked God says, seek and you shall find, knock, the door will be open. You pray without ceasing and you knock on that door. You thunder on that door. You bless your children. You bless one another and you give them the fat of the land and you do these things in my name and you ask them in my name and they will be done. We sometimes take shortcuts in our life. We think God loves us. God knows what we need, so we really don't need to do anything. I love the nuns who say, you know, it pisses God off when you pray for something you can take care of. <laughs> don't pray to God for something you can take care of. That if you want to if you want to tick God off, that's what you should do. It's like, you know, Amy needs a ride to the grocery store, God. Can you, you know, I, I pray that she gets, like, don't pray that. Give her a ride to the grocery store. No offense, God's got better things to do. But there are things that we cannot do ourselves without God's help. Do we bring that before God in prayer? Yes. Why? Because it makes a difference. And I don't know why, but Scripture always says it is. The Hebrew people are in slavery in Egypt for a hundred years. A hundred years. And suddenly their prayers, it says, their prayers lift up to God and God remembered the promise God had made. Now that kind of ticks me off. It's like it took you this long to remember something. Are you getting senile? But the prayers lifted up. We participate with God. We are co-creators with God. We are God's hands and feet in a lot of this world. What we do matters. Absolutely. Rebecca knew Jacob needed that blessing if he was going to have any chance of being the man he was supposed to be because he wasn't there yet. He wasn't there yet. And I guarantee you, people say, well, should you pray for your pastor? I got to tell you, 
I need all the prayers I can get. Because I know where God wants me to go, and I'm not there yet. I'm not. And I need all the help I can get to get there. And each one of you needs all the help you can get to get there. This story is about getting a blessing where it belongs so that Jacob can become the man he's supposed to be. On the 10th, we're going to pick up um, the story where Jacob, <laughs> what happens is Jacob, uh, Esau gets a little bit ticked off from this account. I know you're surprised by this. But Jake, uh, Esau is just a little bit ticked at his brother and says, the minute my dad is dead, so is Jacob. The minute my father buys the farm, Jacob's going to be right behind him. So Rebecca says, you know, Jacob, this is a really good time for you to go and get a wife. Go back to my family, and it's on that journey that he has the vision of the Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. We'll sing that song. Um, where he sees, you know, that, that we'll, we'll pick up that story there. Um, anyway, we'll, I don't want to get too far ahead, but that's where we'll pick it up on the 10th. These stories, I tell these stories. Why do we tell these stories? Because these stories are not stories that happened 5,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago. These are stories that happen every day. These are stories that I live in my life all the time. I need help. Sometimes it takes a little deceit to get there, and I feel bad about that, but I sleep okay. <laughs> what I do know is that if you want to accord, if you want to accomplish something great, you need to work with God to get there. Period. If a blessing needs to be had, you make that blessing and you invoke God's name in that blessing. You don't just say, I bless you and keep you. God, I need you to bless. That's why we storm the heavens when someone's sick. God works with us. And God works with us. And if God can work with Jacob, I guarantee you, who was a weasel, God can work with you. So this, I'm not worthy. You know, I get real tired of that. Because the story is not about God helping those who are worthy. God bestows blessings on those who need it. <laughs> And that includes me and probably you. Whether that's good news or not, that's the end. Amen. Amen.